Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Day date, date is December 6th. 1977. President in the room, Lieutenant K.J. Baxley, Lieutenant... Al Ken, Detective Sergeant William New, interview with Patsy, white female, also known as Little PJ. The biggest tip in a case that's plagued the North Charleston Police Department for nearly five decades lies on a sometimes hard to understand cassette tape. Their conversations that have sat in a cardboard box untouched for decades. For the first time ever, you are getting to hear them. What I want you to do now is tell me what you know, if anything, about this incident surrounding the disappearance of Gary Locklear. Well, I met the boy a couple of times since he was at school. He was in a, a tree stand this innocent 15-year-old boy, Gary Locklear, missing the day before his 16th birthday. Evidence in the case is nearly non-existent, but one thing is for sure about the person who knows what happened. Police believe they're alive. This case can be solved. Over the next half hour, we dig into Gary Locklear's story, explaining the lengths investigators have gone to and details the public has never heard before. This is Bring Them Home, an ABC News 4 exclusive series aimed at solving missing persons cases in the Lowcountry. Every single day, people are reported missing in the U.S. Typically, a paper trail is left behind or some type of clue that leads police to find them. But that's not always what happens. The case of 15-year-old Gary Locklear is the oldest missing persons case in North Charleston. The question, where is Gary, has plagued the police department for the past 48 years. His friend last saw him walking down Remount Road toward a fast food restaurant. It was a late September night in 1974. It was dark, about 11 o'clock at night, and as his parents told police, the worst storm of their life. In fact, his parents said they haven't seen a storm that bad since. Thunder, lightning, and strong winds moved through the low country during the same moments their child was seen for the last time. Dozens of theories. Somebody's got to know. An infinite number of questions. They just want answers. And a family that has never lost hope. For over five years, they left his room the same. He left the house that night. He had no shoes, um, so he was barefoot. His wallet was at the house. His motorcycle was at the house. All of his possessions were at the house. So they left the light on. He had a lamp in the corner of his bedroom every night 
for over five years. But that hope was mixed with pain and fear. They got prank calls from everywhere. Confusion and intense frustration. I mean, Florida, um, Texas, Oklahoma, um, of people saying, oh, I saw him, you know? And I think that was one of the reasons that they ended up doing this sketch, which would have been in 1989. This age-progressed photo completed by an unknown artist shows what Gary might have looked like over the years. Today, he'd be 64. I tried to get his brothers and sisters to tell me more about him, but it's just too painful for them to talk about. His mother is in her 90s. His father died not knowing what happened to his son. Gary was a typical boy. I mean, he, he, um, he had some brushes with the law, just like boys do back then you know but um and now but i think for the most part um they were so confused because he really didn't have any enemies i mean he just he did what he did and he was just a typical 15 year old kid at the time even more ironic gary disappeared on the eve of his 16th birthday his gift an almost new motorcycle was waiting for him It's a present that would have any boy excited. Remember, it was a time when daredevil show-stopping stunts by Evil Knievel captivated the youth of America. His family has told police over the years that he would have never left a gift like that behind. Through the years, I'll bet you a hundred investigators have looked at this case and deciphered it. Today, Gary's case files sit on the desk of Deputy Chief of Investigations Ken Hagee with the North Charleston Police Department. He's been with the force for 34 years. He started as a patrol officer and has worked in every division. He's very familiar with this case. Gary Locklear's story is condensed to two thick black binders. They're filled with handwritten notes about what happened the night of September 6, 1974. In an attempt to protect the handwritten notes, there's a thin layer of plastic on top. But the notes have faded, just like the tips and contact with family after nearly 50 years. Some of these notes are even jotted down on napkins, preserving what's legible with the hopes that one day these words lead to answers. Gary's case is still classified as cold and not a homicide. The sole reason, there's no body. To give you an idea about the lack of information, there are about 75 search warrants conducted these days for a homicide case. The number of search warrants in Gary's case could be counted on one hand. I see like four or five search warrants. Um, there was a business searched. Um, this bar was searched. Um, there were two or three persons of interest house searched. It gave investigators almost nothing to go off of, so they looked into various theories. There was all kinds of stories. I mean, you know, he ran away to California. He, he had a girlfriend somewhere else. Um, he owed somebody some money, um, none of which we found to be true. A railroad track intersects with Remount Road, the last place Gary was seen. The North Charleston Police Department searched all along these tracks, which run into a paper mill. They also searched all the way up to Pennsylvania, but found nothing. 
Detectives followed leads to Hanahan, which led them to a slew of warehouses, but no answers about what happened to Gary. Over the years, dozens of theories have come into play. People captivated by this case and even some police officers have dabbled with the question, was serial killer Pee Wee Gaskins responsible? There's no question they did everything they could um, in 1974 to figure this out. Pee-wee Gaskins was from South Carolina. He stabbed, shot, drowned, and poisoned more than a dozen people from the 1950s to the 1980s. Police have confirmed he killed 15 people, but the serial killer claims to be responsible for more than 100 murders. Those claims have been discredited by law enforcement who say it was an attempt to gain notoriety before he was executed in the electric chair in 1991. As much as people speculate Gary was one of Pee Wee's victims, Deputy Chief Hagee says there was just no evidence. I mean, he was never even in that area. I mean, he was over, he liked to be on Polly. Um, and I think that's where it kind of spun up. Um, but we have no evidence that he was on Polly um, when Gary was seen over in that area. You just heard the Deputy Chief mention Gary was last seen on Folly Beach. A tip from a witness named Patsy in the late 70s is the biggest lead in this case. It's the most vital information police have ever received, and a piece of the puzzle the public has never heard before. Take a listen. He's changed, but his face hasn't changed. As a boy that was on the beach. As the boy that was on the beach? Yeah. How did you know about the boy on the beach? They told me. Who told you? Um, what's the name? In the late 90s, Deputy Chief Hagee and his team took another look at Gary's case at the urging of his family. A second listen in that cassette recording you just heard led police to an area on Folly Beach for what has been the largest search for Gary since the night he disappeared. When we come back, we take you to the spot on Folly where police use technology to search deep below the surface, what they found, and the most vital piece of information police have in the case. To see maps of the search area for yourself, along with Gary's age progression photos and more from the investigation, be sure to like and follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Bring Them Home SC. We'll be back. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. 
The case of Gary Locklear has mystified the low country for nearly five decades. September 6 marked 48 years since Gary was last seen. In 98, the North Charleston Police Department decided to take a deep dive into this case. A tip led them here along Folly Beach. It's about 19 miles from North Charleston. We don't know how Gary got here, but that tip came from a teenage girl who claimed to have seen Gary before and after he was last seen by that friend on Remount Road. Interview with Patsy. White female, also known as Little PJ. What I want you to do now is tell me what you know, if anything, about this incident surrounding the disappearance of Gary Locklear. As a boy that was on the beach. As the boy that was on the beach? Yeah. How did you know about the boy on the beach? They told me. Who told you? Um, what's her name? A witness named Patsy told police she saw Gary Locklear on Folly Beach at about 3 or 4 o'clock Friday afternoon. That was hours before Gary was last seen in North Charleston. I just looked at him twice. I did look at him twice, but I looked at him. He just caught my eye. Where at? Was it some other place to eat food? It's on the beach. It's right on the beach by the steps. I don't know the name of the place. I just give him something to eat. A little snack bowl and jukebox. The next thing that said gave police the most vital information they have ever received in this case. You know, just looking around at people, he just caught my eye. And some people were walking around the corner and I said, I'll kill that Indian. And there goes that Indian and there goes one boy this way and people two jumps this way and another one around the back. I just got the keys and went on to the pavilion. Started cleaning up. I didn't pay any attention to who it was. The last time she saw Gary was at Seaside Grill at Folly Beach in the hours after Gary was seen walking down Remount Road by his friend. Today, Seaside Grill at Folly Beach doesn't exist. A row of condos sits in its place. One building is actually called the Seaside Condos. People who live in those condos wake up to a beautiful view of the ocean and the sounds of crashing waves. Ken Hagee was part of the cold case unit when the department decided to re-examine the case in 98 and search these grounds. Investigators searched the bar in the 70s, but this time they called in a team from Charlotte to perform ground-penetrating radar. It's a fancy word for a sled that's pulled across the ground and takes pictures of the earth 20 feet below. And as you might imagine, there's a lot of debris buried beneath this sand. With just erosion, with high tide, low tide, all of that other stuff, something can become buried. Or they buried something. It took nearly 30 hours of work and cost $10,000 a day. An exhaustive search, all because of that witness named Patsy, who claimed to have seen Gary carried into a closet at the Seaside Grill. Was it in the wall or in the ceiling or where? Was it like an attic door? In the wall. In the wall. You know, it's like the refrigerator was up against this wall right here and on the other side of it was the closet. Closet door, which if you stood in the closet door and <coughs> busted down the wall, there would be the refrigerator behind the bar. Well, you mean there was just a closet behind the refrigerator? Is that what you're saying? There's nothing behind the refrigerator. You can see it from the dance floor. You walk right up to it. 
Investigators haven't heard from Patsy since, and they've always questioned her credibility. Did she really see Gary being carried into a closet? Was she telling the truth? She wasn't around for us to interview. Um, we couldn't find her. I think at one point she was in Texas and was going to come back and, and talk to us, and then we just completely lost touch. Regardless, Cruz moved forward with the grid search, which was extensive. It began with shovels and ended with a tool as small as a paintbrush. Our ABC News 4 cameras were there in 1998 as it happened. God, looking back at that day, probably 60 anomalies in this plat, maybe more. We dug a lot of holes, um, three days worth of digging. Crews found bones, but none were human. The search took an emotional toll on the team from North Charleston. You kind of get that feeling to yourself, well, here's another check mark. Okay, so now what do we look at? And it was, this had so much promise. Um, and then yielded nothing. Out of all the cases you've worked, where does this rank in terms of frustration for lack of evidence or lack of um, anything to help find an end to it? Well, I think any of the unsolves rank high <laughs> because I think it's usually the same issue. It's lack of cooperation. It's um, by the time we get it with our technology, those people are deceased or moved or whatever. So I think it's high. I mean, it's, it's top 10 for sure as aggravating. Deputy Chief Hagee hasn't heard from Gary's family in several years, but he shares their desperate plea for answers. I mean, they said, you know, as, as bad as death, if we would say that we found him, he's dead, not knowing is worse than that phone call. Over the years, Gary's family went to great lengths to get answers. They just wanted somebody to tell them what happened to their 15-year-old son. If the police couldn't provide answers, who would? This, this person was kidnapped and taken away by a, by a man. I feel like this man may be a Texan, Spirit is showing me here, and may even live in Texas. Kidnapped by a man in Texas. When we come back, we play the readings of a psychic for the first time to the public. What she claims happened to Gary Locklear and her message to his family. As time went on, police say Gary's parents grew frustrated and desperate. Understandably, they had no idea what had happened to their son. Eventually, they turned to a psychic. And we do want to warn you, what you're about to hear has never been confirmed by police. This person was kidnapped and taken away by a, by a man. I feel like this man may be a Texan, Spirit is showing me here, and may even live in Texas. But in the first place, Spirit is saying, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. And I feel like there's absolutely no way of giving out revenge to this man at this time because I don't feel that any policeman in this particular area will find this person. But Spirit is showing me that this man may have in the past or may in the, in the near future be arrested and convicted of some similar crime in Texas. Spirit is saying the best thing to do is to let this go and to declare it as a death and let it go at that and close a case. 
police have never given this psychic credibility for her theory. She has no concrete evidence to draw her conclusions, just spirits that speak to her. So where is Gary? Investigators believe he was killed. Being where we are, there's so many marshes, there's so many, I mean, the ocean is so expansive. I mean, I was in Biloxi for Katrina and I can't, I can't tell you how many people just got washed out and they never came back in. So, I mean, there's, there's a hundred different things. I mean, and maybe he's in plain sight, but with all the hunters and everything, all the people that look for shark's teeth and look for everything else, if he was somewhere in a populated area like North Charleston, he would have been found. No suspects have ever been named publicly by the police department, but they have their two persons of interest. They're both men. We would love to hear from that person. I mean... Do you think they're out there? I do. Yeah, absolutely. You think they're still alive today? I do. Yeah, I do. Deputy Chief Ken Hagee has thoughts about what happened in September of 74. I pushed to learn about the profile of the person who they think killed him. But police don't want to jeopardize this case. Um, do you think it's somebody who was older? I do. Older yeah. than 30? I think they were in their 30s at the time, yeah. And Gary was 15. Right. Which is strange in itself. The Locklear family has gone most of their lives wondering, what happened to Gary? If you just for one second put yourself in this family's shoes and, and think about your child being missing all of these years and have no answers, I think if you knew something and put yourself in that position, you would you would call us. A son, brother, friend, confidant, an innocent 15-year-old boy with his entire life ahead of him. The key to cracking this case lies in the memory of someone who was on Folly Beach that early September day. There's a boy that was on the beach. There's a boy that was on the beach. The hope is that Patsy or one of the people she mentioned in her conversation with police speaks up and provides answers and brings closure for a family who has waited 48 painful years. If you know anything about the disappearance of Gary Locklear, call North Charleston Police at 843-740-2800. Let's bring him home. I'm Melanie Orleans. If you like this podcast, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Make sure you share our episodes with your friends. To see exclusive videos and other materials from each episode, visit our website, abcnews4.com slash bringthemhome. Get show updates and exclusive extras by following us on social media. Find us on TikTok and Instagram at bringthemhomesc.